I guess I'm what you would call a recovering pastor. I'm not recovering from leading a congregation divided by the pandemic or politics or even power. Nor do I need to recover from years of working on everyone else's days off. I'm in recovery from running an institution. All the stuff we've built up around the good news that makes it really hard to share. Leading an institution was way more than I'd bargained for especially since the ones we know today look a whole lot different than that ragtag bunch of folks who followed Jesus around. Institutions are messier and more complicated than the church needs to be. And as a pastor, more often than not, while it was my responsibility to care for a building or manage finances or build programs, all of that came at the expense of caring for people and leading them to transform their community. I had to make choices between my organizational responsibilities and my pastoral ones and my family each and every day. And far too often, I chose incorrectly. For most of my life, leading a local church was exactly what I thought I was put here to do. So I spent seven years in school studying toward it and dozens of Sunday mornings over the years filling in for pastors on vacation or congregations in need of a preacher, all to hone my skills. Every time I'd try to run away from it, I'd get pulled right back in to help out here or to fill in there. So one day I stopped running away. And I learned a lot. I shared a lot. I blessed marriages and prayed at funerals, even one for a guy on death row. And I got a bunch of Baptists to dance inside the sanctuary one Sunday, and I spoke hard truths and comforting words as often as I could. But something never felt right. So I walked away. I walked away without a concrete plan, without a new job, without any idea of what was next. I just knew that where I was wasn't where I needed to be. And God knows where I'm headed but I find comfort in that turn of phrase. If God knows, then that means I don't have to. And you don't have to either. None of us have to know what's ahead. Our task isn't to know. Our task is to be open to what's in front of us, who's in front of us, whatever or whoever they are, and wherever God calls us to follow. And I think that was the hardest part of leading the institutional church. There's an awful lot of following, traditions, influences, money, and you hope more and more followers joining you on the journey. But too often, who and what we're following has nothing to do with Jesus or his example. It's a far cry from the message he came to share. I walked away from leading the institution, but I can't give up on Jesus. What he said and how he lived his life is the best recipe I've found to change the world. But sadly, so much of what we say and do in all these church buildings we show up in, however often we go, isn't shaped by his example. 
shaped by words he never said and stances he never held. We've put a lot on Jesus since he died. A lot he never asked for. A lot of statements he never made and concerns he never voiced. And these statements and concerns that shape so much of the church today are driving people away from what Jesus did say and do. People aren't giving up on Jesus. They're giving up on the institutions that don't amplify his example. Like this guy I know. He came to me a few years ago with a lot of questions about religion. From the pew, he'd witnessed the same unnecessary messiness and complexity that I had from the pulpit. And so he gave up on institutional religion. Maybe you have too. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But this guy asked me a lot of questions about the words on the pages of the Bible. And I told him, sometimes the answers aren't in the words we read. Sometimes they're in between the words. Some stories have a silent, unwritten, and it doesn't have to be this way at the end. Sometimes the answers are found in considering what's left unsaid or unspoken or unwritten. So what if? What if instead of reading line by line and looking for answers and quotes to cherry pick, we explored the gaps, the topics Jesus chose not to speak about and those his followers didn't put on the record? Silence speaks volumes, right? I think... If we could amplify the lack of emphasis Jesus put on certain topics, we could make more room to do and say the things he did emphasize. So that's where we'll start on this journey. No doubt we'll explore other topics and other voices down the road, but we'll start with Jesus in a series I'm calling, I Didn't Say That. We'll put to bed the things we're hung up on that keep our focus away from Jesus' call to us. A call to build a better world by building stronger and healthier bonds with each other once and for all, so that together we can focus on what matters most, caring for and connecting with and collaborating with the people around us. Each time we're together here, we'll look at an idea that we talk a lot about, maybe even topics that we've chosen to split up over, but that Jesus didn't say a single word about. And we'll see what we learn in the midst of his silence. I think if we can listen to Jesus more clearly, even when he's not speaking, we'll see everything else in our lives more clearly. And seeing clearly is the first step toward figuring out where we're going and who we need to be along the way to make it there. God knows where that is. And I hope, like me, you think that's good news. This is God Knows Where. I'm Brett Harris. I hope you'll join us. God Knows Where would not be possible without the love and support and encouragement of my wife, Elizabeth Harris. A few months ago, we were having breakfast with her cousin, Virginia Love, and together they both said that I should do this, put this podcast together for you. So without their support and encouragement along the way, God knows where would not be here. 
I also want to thank Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest for the music that you've heard in today's episode. I'm grateful to Thomas and Michael for sharing their musical abilities with us and look forward to hearing more of their music to come. Thanks for being here, and until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.